0: Past two uh, Sunday, especially the the Sunday before last, I was telling you all about my little adventure um, coming back from Kentucky at the Global Health Missions Conference, being broke down on the side of the road in the Appalachian uh, mountains and uh, you know Blue Ridge mountains, and it was like the Lord was just merciful to us and helping me and little man get back, you know, get back home, and You know, we we talk about, oh, there's a small small, uh, group. But, you know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And so, and what is that name? The name Yeshua means what? He says, and they shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, in Matthew chapter 1. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins and so when you have two or three to get gathered together for that purpose not for tradition not for um you know not for honor not to you know do a job or to do a service or whatever but when we come together for that reason to say lord i am coming to fellowship because i want victory over sin in my inner life i want i want to be healed and I can't get healed on my own. It's, it's, a, it's going to take a body. It's the, it's the body of believers. It's the fellowship. When I come to fellowship with that attitude that says I'm coming because I want to be delivered from sin, there you find Yeshua in the midst. Yeshua would not be, that's where we find Jesus in the midst. He's not going to be there. Just for a bunch of people who want to be there for out of a routine or because they they have a guilty conscience or something like that. No, it says, I haven't been to church in a while. Let me check off that box. No, it doesn't work like that. The Bible says, God desireth reality. He wants truth in the innermost being. And that's what I want to work on today. Um, I want to begin, I want to talk with, talk a lot of talk today about reality in the inner life <clears throat> you know there's um, there's, a, there's a there's a great misconception that that just because I say I'm a Christian I'm a Christian or just because I attend a church that makes me a Christian or just because I I do Christian activity that's what makes me a Christian. Um, Christian activity, attending church, doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. Or, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole reality change that happens. Um, I think of if he, the book of Ephesians where he says he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And so it's a completely different reality that we're living in now. It's a completely different existence. Before, we were under the domain of the devil, of wickedness, of sin, of this. Now, in Christ, we are under an entirely new domain. Mm -hmm. A new domain, a new government, an entirely new government. And that's Jesus, Yeshua. We are under his government now. And so for me to continue to go back and forth, back and forth, and then say, oh, I'm, I'm, I belong to Jesus. I'm under his domain. I'm under his control. I'm under his leadership. But then I don't do what he says. I don't, I don't want to follow. I don't want to give up sin. I don't want to stop hanging around the people, places, and things that caused me to fall in the first place. I don't want to give that stuff up. You're not saved. You're not a real Christian um christian is reality and this is what what david um prays for in psalm uh 51 in verse verses 5 and 6 he says in uh, psalm 51 he says behold i was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me okay so this is our condition we're born We're brought into this world with iniquity already. And in sin, we're already, we're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. But now this is what God wants for us in verse six. He says, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom That is the fear of God in the secret heart. And so in order for that truth to get down in there, in order for truth to be a reality, you see, that's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about head knowledge. He's talking about truth, the truth of God. Who is the truth? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He says, you want the truth in the inward being. That's where you want it. The Holy Spirit. That 's where you want that you want the reality of Jesus Christ living breathing, functioning thinking, speaking, acting through you and me through our body and that's why the bible describes um, uh, in first John describes the Holy Spirit as seed he says he says he can't he, he says um he says in uh, first John In First John, in chapter, let's turn to First John chapter three and verse nine. First John chapter three, verse nine. He says, "No one born of God makes a practice of sinning." Period. If you're born of God, you can't make a practice of sinning. It's just period. If I am truly born of God, that means that God is my Father. And that means that his DNA is in me. How do I know that God's DNA is in me? Because I have the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, he says, is God's seed, right? In, in order, in verse 9, he says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So if I am born of God, that means that my body is what my body is the seed carrier. It's what it's like a, a, when a What happens when a man and a woman come together and the man discharges his seed, what happens? That seed goes into that woman and forms a human. Well, it's the same thing with us in our Lord. When we say, Lord, I submit to you, just like a woman has to submit to her husband in order for the consummation to happen. When I say, Lord, I submit myself to you, I say, Lord, I'm yielding myself to you. I am repenting of my sin and I am saying you are now Lord of my life. That means you are the decider. You are the controller. You are the leader. You are the guide. You are the teacher. You're the instructor. You're the director. You're the father of my life. What happens? The Lord discharges his seed into you. And what is that seed? That seed is the Holy Ghost who does what? Who forms Jesus Christ inside of us. He forms a being. He forms Yeshua within us, Jesus. And so that is the body that gets formed inside of us when we surrender. And because Jesus Christ is being formed in us, you can't go on sinning because Jesus Christ does not sin. He does not sin. And this is the point that he's trying to get at. No one who was born of God makes a practice of sinning. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that. But to make a practice of it is a clear indication that you have not, you and I have not been born of God. And that is seed, the Holy Spirit is not in you. And why is that? Because in Romans, and, and, uh, so that's, that's 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9. And how do we know that? Because in Romans in chapter 12, the Lord tells us, who the sons of God are. In other words, those who have the seed of God and who are having Christ formed within them. See, the, the Holy Spirit is, is not a... I mean, and I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, and that's fine. The Holy, I, don't, I am not a Trinitarian person. I am not. I believe that God is one, just like the scripture says. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is like the DNA of God inside of a person. The Holy Ghost is the DNA. He is He is God. There's only one, the Holy in and, and three functions, but not persons. But the but the but the Holy Spirit is the DNA of God. Once that DNA gets inside of you, it's forming Jesus Christ inside of you. It's forming God inside of you. And so how do I know? How do I know? How do I know that that the Holy Spirit is at work? How do I know that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, as the Bible says, the Spirit of the Father, as the Bible says, how do I know that that Spirit is working inside of me? How do I know that? Well, the Bible makes that point plain in uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm sorry, y'all. I meant Romans chapter 8. Romans in chapter 8 and verse... Uh, e, what is that? And if you're But if by the Spirit you put to death of the soul, For those who live above Okay self cannot please God and For those who are led by the Spirit of God All the signs of God where is that? Hold on one second Hold on one second. There's one verse I want to find here. The Holy Spirit works within us to make us like Jesus. And that is a function of God. God wants us to be like Jesus Christ. That is his goal. That is his plan from all eternity. As we've talked about before, Romans 8, 14. That's the verse we're looking at here. He says, and how do I know that the Holy Spirit is at work? He says, looking at verse 13, he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, but if by the spirit you put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. Why? For all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. And so what does that mean? If I have the Holy spirit, if God has given me the Holy spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, i received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is immediately at work in me to kill sin, period. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He is immediate. He starts out immediately at work for the rest of my life, putting to death the sins of the body. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. My carnal desires, all those things, he says, you will live, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So what does that mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Is it just the Holy Spirit telling you go this way or go that way, do this particular thing or do that particular thing? It's not just that. The Holy Spirit in making us like Jesus Christ is constantly pushing out the darkness in our spirit, soul, and body. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit cleanses us. And that is his leadership. He is always leading us into victory over sin in our inner life. Why? So the reality, Psalm 51, of Christ can be in us. We can't have both. You can't have the old man and the new man living together. It doesn't work like that. One is either going to quench the other. And this is why the Bible says don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Because if you quench the spirit, that means that you've gone back to the old man, and you've lost, you've lost your salvation. The Holy Spirit's gone. And so this is why when he comes in, what does he do? He drives out. He drives out those past sins he, by giving us victory over those sins. And that is what he leads us into. So every single day, the Holy Spirit, if we're attuned to him, what he's going to tell us is, he's going to tell us, um, you're having a lust problem. You're, you're, you think you can do things in your own strength. Um, you're, you're arrogant here. You're, you're prideful there. You need to stop that gossiping. You need to stop uh, lusting after women, lusting after men. Cut all that stuff out. The Holy Spirit is going to bring all those things up into your mind. And see, one thing that the Lord shows you too, how you know where you are spiritually is just look at your thought life. Look at the things you think about. I mean, that's that tells you right there where you are. The things that you think about on a regular basis that tells you where you are spiritually and that tells you the things that you have to deal with and that tells you where the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Our unconscious mind is the reservoir of is a reservoir of truth. It tells you what's really going on inside of you. You might say, oh, you know, I don't want to think like that. Oh, I don't want to be like that. Oh, I don't want to act like that. No, I don't really feel like that. No, yes, you do. Man, I want to kill that person. Thoughts of killing people, thoughts of sleeping with people, thoughts of robbing people, thoughts of going places you don't have no business going. Because Jesus teaches us what he says in in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already done it. If that's what's in your heart, you've already done it. So this is what the Holy Spirit deals with. The Holy Spirit deals with the the root of the problem, which is our inner life. That's why David said, you desire truth there. In that place where in the past, wickedness would always be bubbling up, where wickedness, wicked thoughts, wicked desires, wicked motives were popping up. In place of that, what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives us the mind of Jesus Christ. So we're now our motives are pure, our thoughts are pure, our attitude is pure. What we want to do is pure. We're not doing anything of our own self-will. We're not doing anything of our own um, our own pride, our own arrogance, our own, we're not doing anything of our own. He is in control. He is leading us. He is guiding us. And so, again, you desire truth in the innermost being. And so The question is, is that, well, what, what place, what role does the word of God have in all this? Because, you know, a person can read the word of God for years and years and years and still not change. How is that possible? Or you can be exposed to the word of God and not change. And, you know, that's always something that's concerned me. It's like, well, you know, how is it possible that somebody can sit up under the word of God and still not change? How how is it? I mean, and I'm not talking about, you know, health, wealth, gospel, you know, uh once saved, always saved doctrine. I'm not talking about stuff like that. The stuff that's obviously wrong. I'm talking about stuff that's like, you know, hard hitting you going to hell if you don't stop sinning and da-da-da-da. I like you're getting Bible teaching. And not just here, but just wherever you find that where people can sit up under truth for 10, 15, 20, 30 years and still have the same problems. And it's not for us to sit in judgment on that. But the question is, is that if I look at it from a natural perspective, if I have a child who is the same size and the same shape 20 years later, like he doesn't grow physically 20 to 30 years later, he's the same size. Imagine Malachi being his height for 20 and 30 years, not getting bigger, not getting healthier. I would say something is wrong. Something is not right that my son is not growing. And so the same thing applies to us spiritually. If I can sit up under the word of God and hear the word of God and read the word of God and on and on and on and on and still not change, There's something wrong with me spiritually. There's something that's blocking the word of God from taking root. Something that's obstructing the work of the Holy Ghost. Because it's not that the Holy Spirit is not at work in our lives. Once we receive Jesus Christ into our heart as our Lord and Savior and are sincere, and we receive his spirit within us, he's at work, period. The Bible says, for it is God who works in you both to will and do according to his good purpose. And that work does not stop on its own. The Holy Spirit is always doing that work. But the bottom line is, is that we can stop that work. We can obstruct his work. And so we have to think Lord, what are the things in my life that are obstructing truth from taking place in their inner life? It's almost like a doctor who's always trying to figure out, you know, the the person complain, like uh, the patient complains. Um, You know, they're they're dealing with um, cancer. Say, for example, they're dealing with cancer. And so the doctor says, "Okay, you got options. You can take this medicine. You can take you can do chemo. You can do the natural route um you can have surgery you can have whatever and then the patient says no to all those he says i don't i don't want none of it it's not that the doctor is not offering them solutions and he and he's pleading with them you really need this because you're on the brink of dying this cancer is spreading you you you're, you're, you're going to have to do something about it quickly because if you don't you're going to die but the patient says i don't want any of it I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to believe. I don't believe you. I don't want to hear it. And that's like the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is always trying to find some way to break through the wall of sin in our life and tear the wall down so he can flood in his righteousness, his holiness, his redemption, his form in Christ within us. That's what the Holy Spirit does is the seed of God. He's forming Christ within us, but we can stop that process. Um, We can stop that process. And there are a couple things. There are a couple of um, examples in the scriptures of how we do that. If you look at Matthew in chapter 7, Matthew chapter seven and verse 24, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, so what 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 is he saying here? So he's contrasting two things as we're gonna see here. He says, everyone who hears and then does Hears and does, hears and does, hears and does. You see, it's not just hears. It's a, it's, it's two actions that have got to happen. First, you've got to have an ear to hear the truth. And mo- and you know, that's that's obstruction number one. There are too many of us who don't have an ear to hear the truth. We don't love the truth. We don't love the truth about ourselves. We don't love the truth about the word. We don't love the truth about our condition. We just don't love the truth we want to hold on to our own way, we want to hold on to our own lifestyle and anything that interferes with that, anything that gets in the way of that, we want to try to put the brakes on immediately. And say no that can't be from God because uh well because and we start making excuses for why it can't be from God, why he shouldn't touch this aspect, whether it's our family, whether it's our finances, whether it's our uh um Desires, whether it's our whatever friends, whatever whatever the thing the Holy Spirit wants to address, we don't want to touch it because we don't have an ear to hear, and that leads to damnation. The Bible tells you that in Second Thessalonians in chapter, um, he's, uh, I think it's chapter three, where he talks about. Um, he says, and they, uh, uh, he said, for this reason, God sends upon them a strong delusion, because they res- they refuse the love of the truth, so that they may be saved. Um, second second uh, Thessalonians in chapter two, rather, he says the coming of the lawless one, verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. You see, that's the activity of Satan brings. It brings false signs, false wonders. You love the world. You can become enticed with the world. You think the world is the thing that's going to make you happy or uh, bring joy to your life. But it's a false sign. It's a false wonder. And, the, and the, when the beast comes, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to be promising all those things. He's going to be promising health and wealth and prosperity and peace, all these with, backed up with false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, why do they perish? Because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So how am I saved? By loving the truth. How do I demonstrate that I love the truth first? By hearing the truth. And then I demonstrate my love for the truth by doing it. You see, that's what I say. See, we're we're, we're hitting on some things here. We're digging into some things here. Because folks don't want to hear this. Folks don't want to hear that I got to listen to the truth and do it. Folks don't want to hear that. They want to hear, I can just use God for whatever I want. I can use God for whatever I want and live however I want. But it does not work like that. It's either you're going to do things God's way or you ain't saved. It's just as simple as that. So he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so what does that mean? That's life. What is life full of? Wind blowing. <laughs> life floods coming. Trouble, distress, problems, difficulties, situations where you have to adjust. Struggles, brokenness. <laughs> brokenness, sickness <laughs> right all that happens all that is the winds blowing the floods coming and uh, the rain falling but what happens when all those things come I don't turn back to the world no when I have God see re- abiding in me and I'm listening and I'm full of and I'm listening to the word of uh, and I'm doing what the Word of God says. And I'm, and I'm listening to it and I'm hearing it and I'm doing it. All of these affairs of, of life can come. And what's going to happen is I'm not going to turn my back on God. I'm not going to go back out into the world. I'm not going to say, oh, Lord, you know, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You don't, you're not this and that. I'm not going to turn my back. I'm going to be able to withstand all those things. And grow because my house is built upon the rock which is Jesus Christ, and hearing his word and doing it. He says, but the the contrast is true. In verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So you have the wise man and then you have the fool. The wise man is the one who's seeking reality in the inner life. The, The fool is the one who thinks that he can just hear the word of God and then not do it. That's a fool. That's what the Lord is telling you right here. The wise man is the one who says, Lord, I see your word. I know how. Sh- I know that you have a high standard and I want to uphold that standard. I want reality of Jesus Christ in my inner life. I want to think like him, speak like him, and behave like him. I want to think, speak, and behave just like he did on earth. That's the wise man. That's the man who fears God. He sees the word. He says, I want to comply, period. But then you have the fool. The fool says, I can play around with God. I can act a fool. I can play the fool of God. Hear the word of God and then do what I want to do. Hear the word of God and then go my own way. Hear the truth. Do whatever I want to do. That's the fool. You hear the word of God and then what happens? You end up falling away. Now, this is the same thing that happened to there are many people who are who are like this, and we see this in the scriptures. One of the main examples that comes to mind is Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, the Bible describes, is a man who had the Holy Ghost. He was casting out demons just like everybody else. He was healing the sick and raising the dead just like everybody else. In fact, Judas probably had the second, if not probably the first highest position in among the group because he was the treasurer. And that meant that all the money that came in It went to him and all the group, the whole group, depended upon Judas to distribute the money fairly because these guys had families still. Just because they were following Yeshua, Jesus didn't mean that their families disappeared. So Judas was responsible for making sure everybody got what they needed. So Judas was pretty much the secretary treasurer of the church, the first secretary treasurer of the church. And he had the Holy Ghost. Like I said, nobody said, you know, after he betrayed him, you know, I did notice that Judas's demons didn't come out when they, when he was casting out demons, they didn't come out. Or when Judas was healing the sick, his sick, his people weren't getting healed. No, you don't find that Judas was scared was healing the sick and raising the dead, just like the other 11. But in the end, what ended up happening to him? This man ended up being filled with Satan to betray Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because he was the fool who didn't build his house on the rock. He sat up three years. He didn't seek reality in the inner life. He sat up under the teaching of God, almighty manifested in the flesh. God took on a body. You sit up here under God, the creator of heaven and earth. You're sitting right there under his feet. Right there. And you still turn your back on him. How is it possible? You say, you say, my goodness, how could you do it? How could you do it? How is it possible? I'll tell you how. Because he didn't desire truth in the innermost being. That's how. He let his sin get in the way. He didn't hear the word and do it. He thought he could hear the word of God and not do it and still get away with it. It didn't work. It doesn't work like that. In the end, what happened? He ended up uh, turning back to money, and what did the Bible say? I think it's John, um, uh, in in the book of John, the Bible talks about how he kept taking uh, when the when the uh, when um the um I think it was Mary poured that alabaster on his head on Jesus's head. He said, "Why this waste?" He said, "This could have been sold for a thousand denarii, and the money given to the poor." And then the Bible gives this rejoinder. He says, "He didn't say that because he cared about the poor." He said that because he was a thief. He says as keeper of the money bag, he would help himself to what was in it. Think of it, three years stealing from Jesus Christ. Stealing from him. All that word you're sitting up under. And in response to that word, what are you doing? Stealing from Jesus. He didn't seek reality in the inner life. And so because he didn't, what ended up happening? He ended up being filled with Satan. He betrayed Jesus Christ. The Bible, the Lord Jesus said that it'd be better for this man not to have even been born than to do what he did. And in the end, what he ended up doing, hanging himself and killing himself. And that's the end of everybody who doesn't seek the, re- the reality of the Lord in the inner life, but sits up under the teaching of truth and then still goes their own way. Their end is disaster. Whether it's me preaching or whether it's the person listening, it doesn't matter. The Lord is no respecter of persons. He has no favorites. None. The same truth applies to everybody. The same standard applies to everybody. If I have to fool, I'm going to hell. It doesn't matter. I hear the word of God preach against something I'm doing and I keep on doing it. I'm going to hell. It's just that simple. He says in, the, in Matthew 7, 26, he says in the fool, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. On sand. So, what happens? What is the knowledge like in our brain? The word of God, like in our head, when we hear it and don't do it, it's like sand, shifting sand, unstable, double-minded. You know, if you go to a beach, you see the you can see a, a dune, a sand hill. In one place, you come back the next day, that dune is gone. It's moved to the next place, and that's how our lives are. When we don't make Jesus Christ and his truth, the reality in our inner life, that's exactly what we are. We're shifting sand. We're here one minute, one day, we're here the next minute. One day we're in the Lord, the next minute we're not in the Lord. We don't want to follow instructions. We don't want to submit to authority. We don't want to listen. Then the next minute we're in church clapping and singing and preaching and doing all this stuff. One minute we're here, one minute we're there. One minute we want to enjoy gospel. Next minute we want to enjoy something secular. One minute it's it's shifting sand. That's that's how it is. And what happens is, is that you can't be built up like that. You can't build the house of God like that. You can't be a temple of God like that. You can't be both ways. And that's the point Jesus is trying to communicate here. You can't be both ways. Either you're going to build your house on the rock or you're going to build your house on the sand. That's shifting, shifting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then what's going to happen is, is your ultimate end is destruction, because he tells us here in verse 27, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, trials, tribulations, brokenness, temptation, they beat against our house, the temple house of our body, our lives, and it fell, that's the Christian, and it fell, and great... Was the fall of it. It wasn't just a, a little fall. It was a spectacular fall. Like Judas Iscariot's fall. That was a spectacular end. Ananias and Sapphira, that was a spectac- spectacular catastrophe of what happened to them. Their end was catastrophic. So those so uh so not building our house on the rock. The things that obstruct that reality from happening, the things that block the Holy Spirit from working in our life, um, uh, it's, it's, it's like the scripture teaches us. God manifests himself. He manifests himself in Jesus. He manifests himself as the creator, the father, and he manifests himself as the spirit keeping the church keeping us, upholding us in his righteousness and, his, and in his truth, the Holy Ghost in us, forming within us the DNA of Jesus, the spirit of Christ, the Bible says in Second um, Corinthians in chapter 3, the Bible talks about Jesus as being the spirit. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the spirit. And so when the spirit is moving within us, he's making us like the Lord. And so we got to get out of the way of that work stop blocking the holy spirit by obstructing by obstructing by obstructing by being by trying to have have our lives have have it both ways try to have our cake and eat it too it just doesn't work trying to have the world and have him too it just doesn't work so that so when we obstruct that work um by not doing by not having an ear to hear and not uh by doing what happens we build our house on sand and um, we ended up, we ended up with a, with a catastrophic, catastrophic fall. And it's not as if God does not want to speak to us day by day. The Bible says in Isaiah, he says, "By morning by morning, he awakeneth me. In Isaiah 50 and verse four, you don't have to turn there; just write it down. It's not as if God does not want to deal with us and be with us and work with us. Isaiah 50 verse 4, he says, The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. Who gave it to him? The Lord. See, that's what happens when you're letting the Holy Spirit at work in you and you're not obstructing that truth that he's trying to work within you. Isaiah 50 verse 4, he says, The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. That I may do what? That I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. You see, when we let the Holy Spirit work in us, what happens is, is that we know how to bless other people. You see, when we, obstruct the, when we obstruct the working of God, when we're trying to have, you know, when we're, when we're rebellious and stubborn and don't want to listen, what we do is we block that. We block that. He says the that word, the ability to speak the right word at the right time to lip somebody up from death potentially. He says that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Um there's a brother who I talk to on a regular basis from uh, a country in Central uh, Central America, and um, you know, he's been dealing with uh, you know, sexual immorality. And, you know, porn, watch, this like that. He's been struggling with that. And I'm like, well, Lord, what is the word that I need to give him to sustain him? Because he talks about, you know, I feel so filthy. I feel so dirty. I feel so hopeless. And I I just want to stop. You know, I need to stop. But I haven't been to church. I don't want to talk to people about it. You're the one who I talk about it to. The Lord gave me the word to give him. Because that's what's going to lift a person up out of their sin. The word, the right word. The right word is going to lift a person right out of that. And so what the Holy Ghost does is he tra- he makes us an instrument to exercise his will in the world. See, that's what the word of God does. It goes, from, it, it goes from the head into the spirit. See, that's what obedience does. Obedience takes the word of God from head knowledge to spirit. It leaves the head and goes into the spirit man. And then from there, it becomes reality. It goes from head to spirit to reality. And that reality looks like this, verse 4. The tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. He says, morning by morning, what does God do? He awakens. He awakens me. He awakens my ear. You see... That's that's what God does. When you're a lover of truth, when the Holy Ghost is at work in you, what does he'll do? He'll tap you. Hey, say, Leona, get up. I want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Katie, get up. I've got a word to give you. TT, wake up, wake up. DJ, I got a word to give you. Get up, listen to this. Write it down. Tell this to this person. Put this in a book. Post this. Share this word. Go, this is, you're going through this situation, this is the word for it. He awakens me morning by morning, morning by morning. Every day, God has something he wants to say to us every single day. But there's static on the line. The reason why we can't hear is not because God is not speaking. It's not. It is not. It's not because God is not talking to you. He's not talking or talking to me. It's because we can't hear him because there's static on the line. And that static is worldliness and wanting to hold on to our own way. The desire for other things. He says in in and um more he says morning by morning he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. He says the Lord God has opened my ear. And what? Once he opened my ear, once he spoke to me that word, then what happened? What was my response to him speaking to me? What was my response to him tapping me, to sharing a precious word from heaven for me that could save me, that could deliver me, that could save somebody else, that could save a marriage, that could save a relationship with the children and parents, that could save a friendship, that could save a church fellowship? What was my response to that word? I was not rebellious. I didn't rebel and say, oh, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I know you're I know it's true, but I'm not ready for that right now. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen. I was not rebellious. He says the Lord spoke to me and that's why he can speak to you morning by morning because you don't rebel. When we rebel, the Lord is not going to speak to us. He said, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. Not only did I not rebuff him, not only did I not say I'm not going to listen, not only did I refuse, I refused to be hard hit. I said, Lord, I'm going to open up my ear and I'm going to hear everything you've got to say. I'm going to drink it in. I'm going to find how to apply it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to apply it to every situation. I'm going to change my whole life. If it means I got to get rid of things I spent money on, I'm going to get rid of it. If it means I got to get rid of movies and TV and all this other trash. That I spend waste my time on? I'm going to get rid of it. If it means I've got to get rid of some friends, some ungodly friends who are leading me into hell, I need to get rid of them. If it means I can't go to this place anymore, and for this friend's house or this person's house or this place because it, it's going to lead me into sin, then, Lord, I'm going to stop going. I'm going to stop doing it. If it means, Lord, that I need to submit and be humble... Lord, I'm going to do it. If it means I need to ask forgiveness for somebody who I wronged. And for or, or for or somebody who I wronged or forgive somebody who wronged me. Lord, I'm going to do it. Because I want to hear from you and I want to be I want to I want a direct relationship with you. I want you I want, I want. you to be my leader. He says, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. And not only was I not rebellious, I didn't turn back. I didn't turn my back. I didn't turn my back on the Lord. I didn't turn backward. No, no, no. I'm not looking backward now. You see, and that's what Jesus teaches us. Jesus teaches us, if any man touches the plow and looks back, he is not fit for service in the kingdom. He is not fit for the kingdom. It's always forward. It's always from glory to glory. It's always movement forward. Forward, 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 forward in the Lord. Forward in holiness. The Bible says we're perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We're pressing on to perfection. That means we're trending upward. We're moving forward. It might be a slow growth. It might be a slow growth. But the bottom line is, is that we're going forward. He says, I was not rebellious and I turned not backward. And what does this make me do too? It makes me humble. See, when the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, bringing reality into our life, he's going to, as I told you before, he's going to bring the reality of Jesus Christ into our life. The reality of how Yeshua lived on earth the spirit of Christ, which is Christ, he's going to make that a reality in us too. He's going to do that in us too. And what was the hallmark of Jesus's existence in the world? Humility. The Lord Jesus Christ was always in every situation, no matter what happened to him, humble. He was always humble. He was always putting the needs of others ahead of himself. He was always obedient to the father. He was always doing what God wanted. He always, he was, he was always Humble, never, uh, never, uh, never um, exalting yourself, never grabbing, none, none of that. Yeshua was always humble, and the Holy Spirit is going to make that a reality in our life. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans six and fourteen, God, uh, He says, um, "Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace." So, in order for sin not to have dominion under us, He, God's got to give us grace. And in order for us to get grace, we've got to be humble. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the what? Humble. God opposed the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what does he do? I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. When people are wronging me, what am I doing? Am I cursing them back? Am I I wanting revenge? Am I wanting all these things? No. He says, I I did not hide my face from disgrace and spitting. I didn't hide my face from it. See, when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to face disgrace and spitting. You're going to face people mocking and hurting. It don't take all that. It don't. <clears throat> why you got to do all that? Well, I know the Bible says this, but I'm going to do that anyway. I, you know, I, I know it's right, I, I know it, but but see, you just think you better. You see, you you up here, and you trying to force us all to be like this and da, da da da, no, 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 no. You're going to face disgrace and spitting, and the question is is that if you're not facing persecution, if you're not facing rejection, if you're not facing that, even in your own home among people who are so-called Christians. If you're not facing rejection, if you're not facing persecution, if you're not facing difficulties, even among believers, then you're not living according to the standard of Jesus Christ. You can't be. because Jesus, the Bible says in, in uh, all, uh, First Timothy, all who desire to the first or second Timothy. the Bible says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will face persecution period. Because as you go higher and higher in the Lord, there are people who still far behind, who are behind you. And so it's not. And so what's what's going to happen? Because they're not being humble themselves. Their response to you being further along than they are in the Lord is not humility and submission. And let me learn how you got there so I can get there, too. No, the answer is resistance. I'm not going to listen. I, I don't want to follow or they make excuses for their sin. And then what happens? Because you keep making so many excuses, the Holy Ghost can't work in your life. He's said, like, well, you stuck here. You, you don't want to go forward. You want to make excuses for doing wrong. I can't do anything with that. What can God do with a person who's like that? He can't do anything with somebody like that. The Holy Ghost will just leave you alone and let you fall into your own trap. He will leave you to yourself. So there are several things, there are several things that are up there. So, so that this is, and so this is what the Holy Spirit does. He works in us humility. He works in us meekness. He works in us lowliness. All the attributes of Jesus Christ on earth while he was on earth before he sent it into his place in heaven. All the attributes of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit works in us. And this is what the Bible says in Second uh, in Corinthians in chapter 3. He says, but we with unveiled faces behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are transformed into that image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And he says, for the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He transforms us from area to area. One area to the next, he transforms us into, the, into uh, being like Jesus Christ. Because this is God's program from all eternity. It's not health and wealth. It's not uh, peace and prosperity. It's not getting what I want in life. It's not my own comfort. It's holiness from the very beginning. The Bible tells you that in Romans eight twenty eight to 29. Folks love the quote, verse 28, but skip verse 29. They love to do that. Well, you know, brother, all things work together for good. You know, they all work together for the good, brother. You know, uh, but all things are working together for, for my good. And when they get some money or they get a new thing or a new whatever, yeah, all things are working for my good. Hey. But that's not what that verse is talking about. It's not talking about getting. Verse 29 says, and... I got a quote, verse 20. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord to them who are called according to his purpose. For them he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? conform to the image of his son. Uh, the end, that's the plan of God from all eternity. Not the stuff that we're doing here. Getting, comfort, want, wanting worldly things. <clears throat> that's not the plan of God. The plan of God is for us to be like Jesus Christ. So anything that takes you off that course can't be from God. Anything or anybody who tells you that you don't have to be on that course is not from God. And that's the point. It's not for us to compare ourselves to each other. The point is is that we're all supposed to be going in the same direction. That's it. Everybody everybody is working to get... Well, I can't say everybody's working. Everybody is supposed to be running in the same direction. And if we're doing it together, holding hands in Jesus Christ, we'll get there at the same time. We're running. We're running all together towards the Lord. But people don't want the Lord. They want something else. And this is what obstructs truth being truth being made real in the inner life and um, mark in chapter four gives us several examples of this <clears throat> there are there are certain things that simply block truth being in the inner life that just bl- outright block the working of the Holy Spirit and we're just going to itemize those now we're going to itemize those look at a few more verses and then we're going to wrap up <coughs> Mark chapter four, the parable of the sower. He says this <clears throat> in verse four, he says, again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it. <clears throat> um, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Who was the sower? The sower is Jesus Christ, the Lord. He's going out to sow. His Holy Spirit does what? He sows the word in us. He sows the truth in us. This is what he does. You're sitting up under sowing right now. This is what is happening right now. The sower is sowing, right? The body he's using is mine right now. But there are other bodies that he uses, other men and women of God, women who come to you one on one and say, hey, brother, you need to fix this. Hey, sister, you need to fix this. And you have men who preach, who preach and so to the congregation and one on one or in whatever other group form that the Lord gives. So you have sewing happening right now. He says, and he was teaching in parables. He said, listen, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. Some of the word fell on the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. <clears throat> and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he says, <clears throat> he, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, <clears throat> Jesus teaches us in verse 10 because they ask him about this verse 13. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then do you understand all the parables? Because all the parables tie back to how we relate to the word of God. All the parables do. This is why he said in verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, you can't understand any parable without understanding this one, because it all relates to the word. <clears throat> in all these parables, the Lord is trying to con- communicate a truth of the word. And if your heart is in any one of these conditions, that's not the last one, the good soil. You're not going to be able to understand it or receive it or the word period for that matter. So he says, how will you understand all parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. So anybody who tells you that the seed is money, they're of the devil. They're lying, trying to rob you because the Bible just made that point plain. There's a whole verse dedicated to it. 414, the sower sows the word. And these, verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is in them. So, (laughs) obstruction number one to the Holy Spirit bringing truth. The word of God is thrown along the path. In other words, you don't take it seriously. So... One obstruction to the Holy Spirit working is when you hear the word of God being preached to you or you're reading the word of God for yourself or a brother or sister is coming to you to challenge you about something that you're doing wrong. And what do you do instead of taking that word seriously and saying, hey, I'm going to adapt my life accordingly because adapting my life accordingly is a life and death matter. It's not a trivial matter. Somebody comes to you with the word of God. That is a life and death matter. But instead of responding and changing your life accordingly, then what happens? You discard that word and say, whatever, I just blow it off. Or you'll have some devil in the form of a person will come up to you and say, oh, brother, you fine. You don't need to listen to that. You know, like Amnon's friend. Let me tell you how to get Tamar. Let me tell you, you know, some wicked person giving you wicked counsel, you know, or like Rehoboam and his wicked friends. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Those are people who are like that, who, who, who cause you to the, for the word to be just tossed aside on the road. And you could get the picture of somebody being given a seed and they say, Hey, plant this. And what do they do as they walk along? They just throw it, you know, as they go away, they just throw it, throw it away. That's that. And so what does Satan do? Satan then comes when you th- when you just cast the word aside in your heart oh, it's no big deal i can get to it at some point you know uh it takes time brother you know just just uh you know you you got to give it time you know i don't i don't need to we're, we're not going to get it right away da, da, da. but when you're sick you want to go to the doctor right away i move on from that point so anyway, the seed tossed along the side. So Satan comes and snatches the word right out of your heart. When we, when we hear the word of God and we don't take the word of God seriously, Satan then comes and takes it right out of your heart. Just like that. The Bible says it. It's not anybody else. It's not your flesh. It's not the world. It's not anybody. The Bible tells you plainly. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Boom takes it, it's gone. And then he says, so that's obstruction one. You don't care. You just, you don't take it seriously. Obstruction two, verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy. They're like, thank God for the word. They like, they're not like people who say, Oh, I don't want that. Or it does not all that. They're not like that. They're like church people jumping and clapping. Amen, Pastor. Preach it. Preach it. You stepping on my toes. Tell it that was a good word, Pastor. Oh They're they're. that's them. Shouting and stomping. Do 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 shouting and jumping and sweating and spitting. That's them. They they receive it with joy, but what's the problem? They have no root in themselves. So, in other words, they can hear the word of God and receive it with joy, but then they don't practice it. You see, they're not like the stubborn hardhead folks who don't want nothing to do, you know. You just outright say I don't need to do it. No, that's not them. They're receiving the word of God, but they're not doing it. So the word the he says they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Well, what is that while? The right wind didn't come, the right rainstorm didn't come, the right flood didn't come yet. You see, so they endure for a while when conditions are okay. You see, when there's not when there's not that much pressure on them. But then once the pressure increases. The persecution, the Bible says, but but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution comes, oh, I got to give up something. Oh, I, I might not be liked by some people. Oh, I might have to sacrifice some things. Oh, I might have to put my life on the line. Oh, I might have to go somewhere dangerous. Oh, I might have to give up some, give up these, you know, give up these places. In my family, you know, these people who are sitting up here doing wrong, and you know, they might talk about me. They might, you know, they might reject me. I might not get invited over for dinner and and all these other occasions that they got. Uh oh, the word or acceptance? The word or acceptance. What do they choose? They choose acceptance. He says, for person, with, but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, on account of the word, the Bible tells you don't, uh, the Bible says in um, that I uh, do not share in the evil of others. The Bible says that the Bible says lay hands on uh, lay hands on no one suddenly and do not share in the evil of others. Do not share in it. So you go to this movie and you say, you know, you got, and you know, and you know, you don't have no business watching movies. You don't have no business being there because the word plainly says that, but oh, uh, they might talk about me. They might say, oh, I'm too holy and I'm, I'm too good. And so you say, oh, well, it's okay. God will forgive me. So you go in and you compromise. Because the persecution is too great, you see, as the higher you go in Christ Jesus, the greater the struggle, the greater the persecution, the greater the suffering and that's why people sometimes purposely limit their growth, they purposely won't go all the way they won't they they won't go all the way because they know they know they know that they're going to be attacked by friends, they know they're going to lose all their Facebook friends and all their, you know, uh, all their whatever. They, they know that. They know that. So they will deliberately stunt their growth. It's just like, and you see that even in secular, um, you see that even in um, schools where kids, because they want to fit in. This is, this is we're not, we're not, we're talking, not, not saved or unsaved. We're just speaking in a secular sense here. You see this characteristic, even in schools, when you have a smart kid who is, who is a brilliant kid, He's getting all A's in class. He's smart. He's hardworking. He's disciplined. And then what happens? The other kids see that. And because they're not at his standard, what do they do? Oh, especially, yeah. Oh, you're a nerd. Oh, you're a teacher's pet. Or if he's black, they'll say, oh, you're acting white. Oh, you're acting white. That ignorant... Uh, oh, so ignorant. Lord, help us. You you know, oh, you're acting white. You're an Oreo. That's what I was called. You're an Oreo. You black on the outside, white on the inside. Oh, you don't like, you know, oh, you this and that, you this and that. So what will they do? They will dumb themselves down, act like they don't know the answers to things, uh, start getting in trouble, hanging around. Why? Because they want to fit in. But even then they don't fit in. Even then that crowd doesn't want them. And it's the same thing with Christians. You, you look at all these secular people that want to, these so-called Christian artists that go to the gospel awards and then have secular music and open bar and live however they want to live their lives and do whatever they want to do. You look at how they live. The world don't want them. That's the thing. They think, they think they're appealing to the world by trying to be worldly. The world doesn't even want them because they know you're fake. It's the same thing with us christians when people when people know when, when we claim name the name of Jesus Christ, the world don't even want you they'll they'll corrupt you they will corrupt you but they're not they don't want to accept you into their circles of friendship and stuff like that because you're fake you're fake you you're, you're you're a fake person and so this is what he's saying here. When persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You have to make certain decisions, live a certain type of lifestyle. Lord, help. We couldn't live like Jesus. Jesus was homeless. Jesus tells you that. Well, the Lord told me to give up everything I have and live simply. I might need to live in this kind of lifestyle. Live like kind. Of, oh, why are you living like a vagabond? Oh, you doing this. You, why you, 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 you don't have to live like that. You don't have to do. But, but Jesus told me to live like that. You see, this is what I'm talking about. There's a price to be paid for following Jesus Christ. And there are people who don't want to pay it. And it shows. And it shows. So they're worried about the crowd. You have a group of people who hear the word. They receive they, re- they, they receive the word with joy. But then when the crowd starts booing, what happens? They fall away because they want to be accepted. The third obstruction, verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. You want something else other than God. That's your problem. You want something else besides God. You want the world. You want comfort. You want opportunity. You want your job. You want a retirement. You want this and that your cars, your money, your food. You want this and that. All the pleasures. You want your family. You want your friends. You want your buddies, your homeboys, your homegirls. You desire other things, something else besides God. That's an obstruction to the working of the Holy Spirit, bringing reality of truth in the inner life when you want something else. God can't force, he will not force you and me to want him. He will not. We've got to get over that. God will not force you and me to want him. He is a gentleman. He doesn't force people. He always gives people a choice. So when he sees that you want something else besides the Lord, what does he say? Okay, we'll go for that thing. Fine. And then let's see where that leads you. And when we're in trouble and then we're in distress, then you want to call on the Lord. You see, that was what Israel did. The Bible says they had a craving. They craved man. They craved the quail. They wanted the quail. God had given them manna, angels food. The Bible says, no, I want this. I want this quail. And what ended up happening? They all ended up getting killed who ate it. Balaam, same thing. God told him, Don't go. Don't go with Balak. Do not. I done told you, don't go with Balak. Instead, he wanted that money so bad. And you know what? And this is this is going to show you how powerful the desire for other things is. He God told him no. He he went anyway. He prayed God was gonna kill him. He had mercy on him, didn't kill him. He told Balak to say everything. This man prophesied, and that's in numbers was at twenty uh twenty-six. Through 30, Numbers 26 through 30, he prophesied from the Holy Ghost about what Israel would be and do to the land. He was under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but he loved that money so much that don't you know that in Numbers 30, the, and because Israel fell into the sexual immorality with the people, with the Moabites and the Baal, the Peor, that whole episode with the women going out. He said, well, how do you how do you beat these people? He um, he says, well, uh, Balaam says um, he prophesies he says, you can't beat them. this and that. Then it breaks. Then the situation with Baal at Peor, the Bible says the women were out there with the men sacrificing to their gods. Then God wiped out twenty three thousand of them. Of Israel. How did they know to do that? Who told Balak to send the women out to the children of Israel to make them fall? Who told them that? Balaam did. Numbers 30. Numbers 30 tells you that when they got revenge on the Midianites and they saved the women, he said Moses was angry. He said, did you save the women? He said, these are the ones who Balaam told Balak to send out to you to cause you to fall. That's how strong the desire for other things is. He wanted that money so badly and they ended up killing him by the way too. But he wanted that money so badly that even under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit prophesying the future, he told them, Hey, listen, I can't curse these people, but I'm going to tell you how they can curse themselves. Send out those women. Let them worship idols and then they'll turn God against them and God will kill them. And that's exactly what Satan does. You and I can never be cursed by anybody, but we can curse ourselves. The desire for other things. He says the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of riches wanting to hold on to your money. So loving money, loving wealth, loving comfort, because that's all money is. Money is just a means to get things. It's just access. That's all it is. Loving money, loving comfort, loving wealth. What do they do? They come in and choke the word and proves to be unfruitful. And then lastly, this is the heart that the Holy Spirit can work in. Verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 and 60 and 100 fold. So these are things. Um, the praises of men are also John 12, verse 43, you can write these down. We're just going to go through them because my my time is running out here. Um, The praise of men is another thing. Um, John, right down there verse. John twelve and verse forty three. When they were when the um, when they wouldn't acknowledge Jesus Yeshua because they were afraid of being put out of synagogue. The Bible says, for they love the glory that comes from men rather than the glory that comes from God. When you praise men, there's only certain, you won't obey the Holy Spirit fully because you want acceptance from people, and people are and 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 uh, Paul made that point plain in Galatians chapter one uh, that if. I, um, if I'm still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. And that's how many of us are now. We're still trying to please people. We're trying to please our families. We're trying to please our friends. We're trying to please people instead of pleasing God. People have become an idol instead of God. They've taken the place of God, the praise of men taken the place of God. That's an obstruction to truth in the inner life. Um, and you see that also write down Matthew 21, 19, um, Acts chapter 5, you see this also in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira wanted the praise and honor of men, and because they wanted the praise and honor of men, they pretended to be, the, they wanted a reputation for being wholehearted believers, giving money just like everybody else, when really they were trying to hold something back, which is a picture of how we try to hold back part of our lives from God. And the end there of that is death. When you try to hold back some of your life from God, you say, I only give I only give this much to God and I'll keep the rest for myself. That's death. The end of that is death, doom. And that's exactly what happened to both of them because both of them agreed. Let's both keep part of our lives back from God. And uh, the same thing with the Pharisees. Matthew 23, the Lord tells them, you are outwardly... Uh, beautiful he says but inwardly you're you're uh you're uh, um, you're uh, um, a dead man full of dead man's bones the bible talks about he says you're you know he said your doctrines are right you got your outward appearance is is good you have a good reputation with the outsiders you're evangelical you go out and witness to people but then what do you do to them when you witness to people you turn them twice as much a son of hell as you are Now, how can people whose doctrines are right, who are evangelical and have a good reputation, be sons of hell? Because they didn't cleanse the inside of the cup and dish. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 23. Cleanse the inside of the cup and dish. Then the outside will be clean also. So seeking the praise of men, um, having an outward show without inward reality. That's that's an obstruction to truth being made real in the inner life. And that thing is so gripping. It's, It's so powerful that it's hard for people to wake up from that. You have an outward show, but no inward reality. And they think that that outward show is enough to get them in, but it's not. It'll get you sent to hell. Um, also, <clears throat> revenge. Uh, Luke 11, 4. Um, for the, when the Lord's Prayer, write this down. Luke eleven four. 4. The Bible talks about, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When I forgive, part of the reason why the Holy Spirit can't work in us is because we're holding grudges with people. We will not let that person go. And when you have a grudge against somebody, you're stuck in the past. You're not, you're not going for it forward at all. If you have bitterness or grudge against somebody, you're stuck back there. At the last at that event, at that offense, whether it was when you were a child or a, an adult, wherever that offense was that you didn't forgive, that's where you got off the bus. Life is still going on. The bus of life is still going on. You're still getting older. You're still working. Your job is still going on. But spiritually, you're way back there where that event happened. And then what happens? Write this down. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 15, the uh, the root of bitterness springs up. And um, when you look at the fruit of bitterness, uh, that's an obstruction of the Holy Spirit because what bitterness does is it's cherishing anger. Job 36, 13 it's cherishing anger in your heart. That's what bitterness is. When you cherish anger in your heart, that means that's the clearest sign that you're a bitter person, that you're sitting up here nurturing it. Every time you get a chance, you want to think about it, think about it, think about it, think about the offense. So you're cherishing anger. You're nurturing it. You're, you're keeping it. you you got folks who are always angry. Um, anger is always just beneath the surface waiting to come out. Um, angry when they don't get their way. These are some signs of people who are bitter. Angry when they get don't get their way. Um, uh, um, anger when you tell them that they're wrong. You got folks when they're bitter. They're angry. They've got rage. They're stubborn. That's a, one of the biggest signs that a person is um, bitter. Is that they're stubborn. You you can't push them. You, they won't they won't go. They're like a stubborn mule. They won't go. They won't go forward. That's a sign of bitterness. Why? Because they're planted there. You see, the root of bitterness is a plant. It's like a tree. If they're planted in that place, they can't go forward because they're rooted and planted in that offense. And they won't go forward. They won't go. They can't be uprooted. So stubbornness, hard um, just being a difficult person to talk to and deal with. Um Lying, deceitfulness, saying one thing with your mouth, but in your heart is is evil. You might smile at a person, oh, hey, brother, sister, hey, brother, so-and-so, and And then you turn right around and then talk about them behind their back. Um, Never admitting that you're wrong about anything. People who are bitter never admit that they're wrong. Almost never. Never say, I'm sorry. Never. Or or they'll say it was you. Never wrong. Well, you, you did it. Um, Never wrong about anything. Keeping a record of wrongs. Bitter people are always keeping a record of wrongs. Um, 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 29, and 1 Kings 2, 1 through 9 are good examples of these. <clears throat> so bitterness um, is another one that keeps the, the Holy Spirit from moving. Um, <clears throat> uh, revenge, we want to get back at that person. That's what bitterness is. Like I said, cherishing anger, wanting revenge. Um, but when we forgive a person. Um, what does that mean? That means that we forgive the debt, meaning that we don't expect the debt to be paid. That means that whatever that person did to us, we don't expect them to make it up to us. That's what true forgiveness is. It's, it's forgiving the debt. When a bank forgives a debt, what happens? Do, do you have to pay it back? No, you don't have to pay it back. So it's the same thing with our Lord Jesus Christ. When he took paid our debt, what happened? We don't have to pay it back. It's forgiven forever. That's the same thing we do for each other. So revenge is an obstruction. The love of money, write this down, First Timothy in chapter 6. When a person loves money, um, it's hard for reality, the reality of, to be uh, of the truth, <clears throat> to be in their innermost being, for the Holy Spirit to work and bring the truth in their innermost being because they're after money. And there are certain things the Holy Spirit is just not going to let you do to get money. Or there are certain things that you won't do because of money. The Lord tells you to go to this place or go to that place or give this amount away. He's like, Lord, dang, that's going to hurt my bank account. Lord, you want me to give my last $20 to this brother or sister who needs gas to get home? I don't have anything after that. You want me to be like the widow who put her two mites into the offering and (laughs) and then have nothing left? Yes, but you won't do it if you love money. You you will, you'll take the job that pays the most. It doesn't matter how corrupt, what wicked thing you have to do to 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 stay on the job, what compromise you have to make. You'll just do it. You'll do anything because you love money. You'll even sell your soul to Satan. We saw that with Judas, right? His is a classic example of people who love money. You'll turn your back on the Lord and end up being filled with Satan and um, love of the world. first John, write this down. First John two fifteen through seventeen. And Second Timothy four ten, when I love the world, <laughs> oh, very fast. John, I'm sorry. First John two, fifteen, 15, 15, 15, 15 through seventeen. <laughs> <through> <laughs> I'm sorry. First 1 Timothy, First 1 John two fifteen through seventeen, and Second Timothy 15. four and ten. I'm trying to be considerate because I know we're uh, we're a little over the hour. 2 Timothy 4.10 2 Timothy chapter 4 And verse 10 I just want to read that Because some some of y'all don't know That this verse is in there But this is an example uh, It says, starting at verse 9 Paul tells Timothy Do your best to come to me soon For Demas, in love with this present world Has deserted me And gone to Thessalonica. You see, when you love the world, what are you going to do? You're going to desert God, and you're going to desert God's people. You're going to leave. You don't. You don't. You're not going to want to stay with God's people and stay with God's program. It's the same thing that Mark did when uh, Mark left (laughs) Paul and Barnabas. Mark was like, "This is hard." This ain't what I expected. <laughs> he got off the boat, <laughs> sailed back to Jerusalem, and left them. He's like, "You y'all can do this." That's why Paul didn't want to take him the second time. But Mark redeemed himself in the end, and Paul was asking for him. So when you love this world, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna desert God, and you're gonna desert His people. Um, and First John 2, 15 through seventeen says the same thing: Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, does not come from God but from the world. The world desires to pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now, um, I want to close with just two verses and then we're going to cut it out. You know, in Job, I just want to preface what I'm about to say with this, this these last two verses with this. In Job 24, 13... Job says that there are people who rebel against the light. And this is the the choice that you and I have today. We have a choice whether or not we are going to submit to the light or rebel against the light. God will never take away our will, period. We have a choice as to who we're going to yield to we're either going to yield to the Lord and to the light, or we're going to yield to Satan and darkness. Now, as we grow in Christ, there are simply certain things we just don't know. Like, for example, after I had gotten saved, um, I, I, I cut out, like, You know, sexual intercourse, stuff like that with women. I I cut that out. I got light on that. There was a lot of things in my life that I got light on when I first got saved. It's like the Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, the path of the righteous is like the sun shining brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day, right? So it's like when we first get saved, it's like dawn. The sun is up, but there's still a whole bunch of darkness there, Right? But as I get more and more light on myself and more and more light on my behavior and more and more light on how I need to be like Jesus, then what happens? And the more I do it, the more and more the darkness goes away, just like the sun rises all the way up to the noonday. More and more as the day goes by, the darkness goes away and we have a day. We have daytime. It's like that. Like, when I first got saved, there were things that I cut out, but there are certain things I was still dealing with. Like, I used to, you know, the cat's bus used to have the, um, like, the little bus pass, the 20-day bus pass. And uh, so what I used to do was, because mine was expired, I used to to cover up the date on the bus pass when I showed the driver. (laughs) It's not funny. Y'all stop laughing (laughs) at me. That's a shame. So when I was riding the bus, and this is when I was, like I said, t- you know, my teens in high school, whatever, whatever. I would get on the bus and cover it up. Here's my ID. Bus driver wouldn't say nothing. Oh, have a good day. Boom. I got away with another one. Put it... <laughs> put the pass in my pocket. Boom. I, I On my way to where I needed to go. But then I got light on that. The Bible says that that's stealing. Mm-hmm. Right? The Lord showed me that's stealing. I was like, oh, well. I can't do that anymore. Threw that pass away, had to get another one, right? So as you get light on yourself, you change. You see what I'm saying? It's not that God condemns you because there's sin inside of you that you're still working to overcome. The problem is, is when we don't want to overcome, when you don't want to learn, you don't want to grow, you reject the truth. The Lord is showing you stuff and you don't want to hear it or you hear it and then go the other way anyway. That's what, that's what Job is talking about in twenty four thirteen when he said, there are those who rebel against the light. It's an attitude. Rebellion is an attitude. It's a mindset that I'm just going to be contrary. I want to be difficult. I don't, I want to be, I want to obstruct. I'm obstructing the work of God in my life. That's really what you're saying. When you rebel, when we rebel against the truth, we're saying, I want to block what God is trying to do in me. I'm blocking it. I don't want God. I don't want him. And so, there are two things. Acts chapter 17, there are the two states that I'm talking about here. Ignorance versus rebellion. There are two, there are two states, Acts chapter 17 and Hebrews 10, 26, and we're going to close. Acts chapter 17, the Lord says this. This is a hope that you and I have here. He says. In verse 30, because he's talking to the Athenians, they're worshiping all these gods and they don't know any better because they don't have the light. Right. They don't have the light. So Paul comes in verse 30, verse 29, he says, you know, being then God's offspring, you know, we ought not to think. That the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. You you know, these ideas that you have, you know, you really should not think of God like that because that's not how God is. But that's how they would have been thinking about God for thousands of years. He says in verse 30, he says, but this is the good thing. The times of ignorance God overlooked. You see, that's the hope that we have. When we were ignorant of, of the truth, ignorant of our behavior, ignorant of, of what is unacceptable to God, and just operating on the light that we have, like, you know, there are certain things I did, but other things I didn't do because I was ignorant of the truth, right? God overlooks that. Thank God, right? The times of our ignorance, he overlooks that stuff. He's like, you know, you didn't know, there's still consequences for what you did, but I forgive you. I overlook that. Say, hey, you know, you didn't know any better. I overlook it. So when we're ignorant, that's what he does. But then, for those of us who are willfully rebellious, there's another word. There's a different word for that. When we're just being stubborn and hard-headed and you're being given the information, you're being told what to do, you're being taught and you're, and you're still hard-headed, you're still going your own way, still following your own plan. Hear the truth and go your own way. Hear the truth and follow your own plan. Hear the truth and rebel. Hear the truth and complain. Hear the truth and, and fight back and want to have your own plan and still do your own thing. Have your, hey, hear the truth. And make excuses for doing wrong. Hear the truth, and still you still want to be disobedient. Still fighting. Still angry. Still arrogant. There's a different word for that person, and that word is in Hebrews in chapter ten, and verse twenty-six. And we'll close with this verse: Hebrews in chapter ten, and verse twenty-six. The Lord says this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, he says this, for if we go on sinning deliberately, you see, that's not ignorant anymore. You see, you're not, you're not ignorant now deliberately means you're doing it on purpose. You're doing it on purpose. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. You're doing it on purpose. You're deliberately sinning. I'm doing it on purpose. I know what you said. I know what the Bible says. I know this brother or sister came to me and told me I need to stop. I know I heard it. The Holy Ghost revealed it to me that this was what, that that I'm doing wrong. And he, or he revealed it through a brother or he revealed it through the preacher or he revealed it through the word. And I'm still going the other way. I'm still wanting to live my own life. Then there's another word for that person who's a believer. He says, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Do you hear that? That means that there is no more forgiveness for you or for me. If I continue to deliberately on purpose sin, when I have the knowledge of the truth, I know what's right and I'm doing wrong. I know what's right and I'm not, you know, the thing that people say, I know it's right, but I'm just not ready for that right now. I'm just, I just want to live my life right now. I know what he's saying is right. You know, people have said that and they've and they've gone done what they wanted to do. And I know I know some who face catastrophic consequences because they did not listen, including death. Including being killed. I know people like that. If I deliberately go on sinning. There remains no more sacrifice for sins, but what, what you going to get instead, instead of forgiveness, instead of mercy and grace and restoration, what are you going to get verse 27, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. What is he talking about here? Hell, the lake of fire. That's the the fire that's going to consume the adversaries. The lake of fire. Hell, then hell thrown into the lake of fire. That's the expectation. That's the judgment. That's going to come on people who hear the truth and rebel against it. On purpose. You can't rebel accidentally. Rebellion is a mindset. It's an attitude. You're doing it on purpose. You're being contrary on purpose. And why is that? There's another verse. He says, in Hebrews, write this down. Hebrews 6 and verse 7. He says, for land that has drunk in the rain. That, what is that? What is the land? That's you and me. You and I are the land. Land that has drunk in the rain that often falls on it. That means you're hearing the word regularly. This can't be talking about anybody but Christians. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and it produces a crop. That means that you're hearing the word and you're producing useful to those whose forsake whose sake for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing of God. But if you're hearing the word and then verse eight, but if it bears thorns and thistles, I mean, what what, the, the farmer's looking at this and like, I'm planting corn here and you're bearing thorns and thistles. I'm planting God's seed here and you're producing rebellion? What? He says, but if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. That is the end of all of us. If we rebel, live a lifestyle, if we rebel against the truth, if we have a heart of rebellion against the truth, it's hellfire, damnation, lake of fire for all eternity, period. The Lord's not playing games. We're either going to produce his fruit or not. And that means that sometimes if it means that I've got to leave someplace to get more serious about my faith, then so be it. If I'm too complacent, if I'm too comfortable if I'm too comfortable in my environment, maybe I need to go somewhere else where I can, where I can discipline myself a little bit more. Because this word is against us. If I deliberately go on sinning after I receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a fire that will consume the adversaries. And then he even goes further. If, if Moses and those killed somebody on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how, how, what do you think the outcome should be of a person who tramples the blood of Jesus Christ on the ground? Because that's what we're doing when we rebel. When we say we're Christian and live like hellions and rebel against the truth, we're spitting, defecating, trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. Help us to to get foolishness out of our heart, Father. Help us not to be rebellious, Father. Help us not to love death or to want death. Help us, Lord, to want life. Help us to want truth. Help us to want holiness and Christ-likeness in the inner life. Help us to let the Spirit, let your Spirit, Lord, work in us to form Christ in us. And let us not do anything, Lord, to obstruct that process. Help us, God. Help us. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot, Lord. We cannot do this on our own, but we're saying we yield to you and to your power to save us from ourselves, Lord. Help us each one. God, help us all. God, help us all. In the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. Amen.